Welcome to Myths. I'm Matt Hoss. And I'm Dan Rose. Whether you know about Theseus or you're revising your syllabus. If you want tales with a bit of jest or you just want to hear about incest. What? What? It's really interesting. Welcome to Myths. Welcome to Myths. Hello and welcome to episode 82 of Miss Podcast, the, your favourite ever podcast, the only podcast in the world, some might say. That's episode four. Is the episode four trumpet? Oh, we're going, we're really hitting all the old ones today, aren't we? Oh, lovely people say, why do you remember all that? Because I can. Because, uh, but Dan, how are you, man? I'm not too bad, Matt. How are you? You sounded very, uh, very, very relaxed and refreshed this morning. I am pretty relaxed and refreshed. Got a cup of tea? You got a cup of tea. Last week we had a beer. There's a different tack today. Yeah, but this right. time's beer. Well, we both, we both, we recorded both of these episodes at 10 o'clock in the morning, so, you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We, uh, but yeah, uh, it's all good. Should we do another clink? Uh, I like how we did that really gently because yeah. we didn't want to break the. Yeah, I'm kind of drinking that the Myth Smug as well. The Myth Smug that my mother got you. Who? My Chris mother. Rhodes. I don't, Chris Rhodes, I don't know her name. Uh, that's a callback. Yeah. <laughs> it's less of a callback and more that you being a bad son, I'd say. Yeah. That time I forgot my mum's name. Yeah. Good times. Uh, but you woke up in the dreary elixirs of uh, the meadows of North Yorkshire. I did wake up in North Yorkshire today. Mm. Outside in a field. I don't know why you didn't let me in the house. Yeah. But is well, it okay payback for the time I made you sleep on the sofa? We are hitting them all today. Yes, please. That's all good. Uh, yeah, it's. Uh, I, I find. I find it. Yeah. You know. I should. I should be more angry about that. I. You know. And. Uh, but you know, I'm such a nice guy. I did let you inside eventually. But my cat wakes me up very early nowadays. So. And the best thing about the fringe was I can just. You know. Not be woke. I have that un. Un- uninterrupted sleep, if you know what I mean, because my cat comes in now and wakes me up halfway through the night for food. Um, but that being said, though, um, in Edinburgh, I did get waken up by people shouting at my room quite a lot. Like, I would live right next to a bus stop, and I heard most nights just, Carl, what are you doing, Carl? Get out of there, Carl, you fucking prick! And I had that quite a lot, and uh, yeah, cost me a grand to stay there, so. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good times. Think of all the places you could have gone. Yeah, for a, if I okay, I, I think I must have spent about in total about four grand at the fringe this year uh, on everything. So what? Where could I have gone with that? And would I have had a nice? Well, thing? four grand would probably have got you. And this is four grand for one person as well. Um, you could easily have gone to the Maldives for probably like ten days. Yeah, but could you have got uh, all the reviews that I got at the Maldives? Mm. You could have done four grand, probably would have got you a pretty banging like Silk Road tour with a really decent like small groups travel company. That would have been cool. Think of all the adventures you could have had. Okay. Um, could have gone to Australia business class. Business class? What's, how, what's the difference between first business and economy? Because I don't know what... The well, economy is like, what, most basic. of them, you're basic, you know, you sit on a plane. Yeah. Um, yeah, we, we, that's like the bog standard. Then it goes up to premium. Now, premium economy, so it's still closer to economy than it is business. People think of it as being in the middle, but it's actually closer to economy. So it's just, um, typically you only sit next to one other person rather than there's not like three, three, three. It's normally like two, two, two. I don't mind that, yeah, yeah. So that's a bit nicer. They're more like armchairs as well. Like you have your own designated armrest. Mm -hmm. Um, So there's none of that argy-bargy stuff. There's a bit of a gap between you and the seat next to you. Um, 
And it's like an armchair in the sense that you've got a, the seat in front of you is much further away. So you've got much better leg room. Not necessarily, oh, I can stretch my legs fully out, mm-hmm. but just much more comfortable. Just a bigger area, bigger screen, mm-hmm. but it's still economy. So you still get economy food. Um, you don't get lounge access, anything like that. Then it goes up to business. Yeah, but, but why, why is premium below business? Because if I was a business, I'd probably be, put someone in the economy that just for like saving money, right? But it goes economy, premium, and business, yeah. Yeah, but like, why, why is it called business? I don't know, because historically, business is for businessmen, so they can have a lie flat bed, and they can relax, and don't get jet lagged. So why are they not in first class? Well, there is first class too. First well, class is like business plus. Yeah, but... You get your own, like, often you get your own, like, area. Okay. Um, not all airlines have first class on every aircraft, mm-hmm. and some of them might only have two or three first class suites available. But my question is that, okay, at what point did someone go, okay, we want something better than economy and premium, but we don't want to pay for the nose for it, so we'll take something in between first class and, like, premium. You know what I mean? Like, I just, I don't know why, where that distinction came from. Why don't you just fork out for first class, or don't fork out, just go for economy. You know what I mean? Because it's a crazy different experience, isn't it? But, but is it? Yeah, I don't know. I'd say definitely. Well, I don't know enough. <laughs> I would say if you flew... But imagine sitting on a plane to Australia and you're, like, cramped in on economy and you've got a small little screen and the food's really crap and you sit next to some fat bloke who's spilling into both your seat and the seat next to you All right, and you're trapped there in the middle and you're just like, oh, my God, this is horrendous. Now picture... Ooh, I'm in an armchair. This is nice. Still next to some sweaty fat bloke, but at least it's, the food's still shit. You said that twice it, in my it's eyes. Still, it's still better. And now let's jump up even more to, oh, hello. I've got my own my own special little cabin area here with an actual bed in it that also is a seat. It's got I've got like a 32-inch TV in front of me. I've got like a three-course meal delivered to me. I get a chauffeur service, picks me up from my house, takes me to the airport. When I'm at the airport, I get a lounge with loads of buffet food and free beer, and I get to have a shower and relax. But what's... But is that is that first class? That's business. But see, that's what I don't mean. The jump up's too much, you know what I mean? It goes, that is a big jump up, That's yeah. what I mean. It's it goes like, like economy. It goes premium like, economy. It's like economy's like one. One. Premium economy's like three. Then it goes to ten. Then it goes to like eight. I think ten. Then right. it jumps to like eight. Because like and then no, for ten it would be like first class. No, I, but what's the difference between first class and what? What more do you get then? Um, that sounds like you've got the everything. first class can have crazy stuff. Like you can have like your own. Sh- you can have like your own area with like a shower in it. Sometimes you get like your own like purse, like a one-on-one like air hostess who caters for all your needs. Yeah, that's too you much. You get like a double bed sometimes. Like it's pretty crazy. You get like your own like. Um, well, Etty had actually had one more up from first class, which is going to blow your mind. Fuck off. It's called on. the residence suite, which is only on one... There's only one on their on their aircraft, and that's like an apartment you get. You but get why? like a butler and everything. Why do you need an apartment? It's like an actual apartment. Just a buy... A, if you're that rich, buy your own jet. Because it's still cheaper than buying a private jet. I think it's like nine grand per person, but it's like... No, I think it's actually... But I think you have to pay for two people, so I think it's like bog, it's like minimum of 18 grand. But that's cheaper than chartering a plane. So if you're really wealthy and you need to go to Abu Dhabi for the weekend on business, why not? I feel like even if I was rich, I would still sit in the economy. Like, that's not a wanky thing to say, like, oh, oh yeah. But I just, I think I'd genuinely be too uncomfortable being, like, first class. So, like, having my own, yeah. like, having an air hostess just for me is, like, too weird, you know what I mean? I'd be like, oh, just, oh, no, just give me a, a whiskey and then we'll sit in silence for an hour. Uh, you know what I mean? 
Oh, what, how much do you have to pay for me to fly the plane? How much would I have to pay you to fly the no, plane? No, no, but how much would I have to pay if I wanted to fly the plane? What? Is that an option? That's not an option. Oh, well, so I can do everything else but not no, fly the plane? not since the 11th of September. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we ha- oh, we're doing so well, then. <laughs> anyway, Matt, was that interesting, though? Are people going to listen to that That product knowledge about aircrafts and I think it was interesting I I, I, it was less funny but more interesting I'd say (laughs) Dan I I had a a a good fringe uh, you know I mean I could have been in the Maldives but it doesn't matter I had a nice time can you tell people about the fringe show I did what what do you know about it's called Here Comes Your Man named after a Pixies I want to say album song off the Pixies to the soul Uh, and 1989 and yeah, it was a uh, um, uh, so it's a song. Uh, basically, it's a show about the last show of my love life, really. Yeah. And uh, uh, it kind of talks about uh, a person called Matilda quite a lot. And uh, and the show went really well. People really loved. It. Is Matilda a real person? Uh, Matilda is a is a moniker of a real person, but within that, her own legend is grew. Okay. Yeah. That sounds again. That sounds so you put all your real life relationships into a fake person called Matilda. No. Matilda. Why did you pick the name Matilda? Uh, because the real life person chose it for me. Uh, the person I was uh, using a, a pseudonym for, okay. uh, she she said she always liked to be called Matilda. So I thought, okay, I'm Matilda. Yeah, it is. So that's quite sweet, but yeah. also sycophantic. And um, yeah, so um, so Matilda, she she was um, it was all the real life experiences from that other per- from the real life person. But Shut up! <laughs> Why? You obviously don't have to bleep that now. <laughs> You're such a dick. Alright. That person. Yeah. That beep noise. The um, beep noise person. Let's call her beep noise. Okay, beep noise. So, uh, all Matilda's experience were bleep noises, uh, but because um, I had to change stuff for the show, uh, little parts of it changed a little bit. So I did the show, and uh, I remember on the third or fourth show I did, it was like a Saturday night, and um, uh, Pete, I had about... Uh, about 15 people in, which is pretty, for a 50-seater room. <laughs> Ooh, we only filled it a couple of times then. But, um, but actually, what's quite cool and uh, fringe was I started out, the first gig I did had two people there, two patrons, or audience members, and those two people were contractually obliged to be there. So I technically was paying them to be there. I had a front-of-house member and my flyer. So every time they laughed, I was like, well, that cost me three quid. You know? <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. But word of mouth grew because like, the shows I did do, people really liked it, so they spread. So by the end of the fringe, I had like four rooms and stuff like yeah. that. So that oh, that's cool. good, that's good. It wasn't capacity? Uh, 50. Nice. So, but on this one, I'm about 15. And people weren't really into it. it not the best show I did, it was slightly frantic, but there was three people sat in the front row who I didn't really know. And they, everyone was enjoying it, but these Three people, they liked it, but not as much as everyone else. So they sat in the front row, kind of like staring at me a bit. And I did the show, I talked about uh, what happened with Matilda and I, and uh, it was quite a, yeah, it was a good show. And But I do get quite honest into the details of what happened, uh, all, all kind of manner of fact of it. And at the end, uh, these three people, who I didn't know, kind of came up to me at the end and went, oh, uh, Matt, uh, we really enjoyed the show. Just to let you know, we're Matilda's friends, by the way. 
And I could have eaten a shell. I was like, oh, that's so awkward. I was like, I had to retract everything. What did I just say on stage? You know, what did they? Oh my god, it was really. Uh, and uh, yeah, and they 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 actually liked me apparently. But I was also like, I think I might want to die forever now. That's yeah. awkward, right? That is awkward that yeah. her friends were there listening to you. Um, basically, bad mouth her for an hour. But the thing is, I wasn't bad mouthing her. Mm. <laughs> And the, the, the whole point of the show is supposed to be a positive thing. Okay, yeah. Uh, and I, uh, I, I wasn't smirching her name. Yeah. Uh, positive discrimination <laughs> against her. It wasn't discrimination, Dan. Wow, I feel like you're taking this in the back. It's a positive breakup show. That's the okay, whole point. Yeah, positive breakup show. It's okay to break up. You're in a better place now. Well, I'm still doing this fucking podcast, but you know... Uh, you do you know. still do that really dark bit about... By the way, notice how I'm asking him because I didn't see it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> do you still do that bit about the Samaritans? Uh, no, not anymore. So it's probably changed quite a bit since I saw yeah, it. This, <laughs> saw it. Yeah, the Samaritans bit... I'm not sure if I can keep this in, but... Like, yeah, the Samaritans bit was um, too dark, I would say. Like, it, it's, it's supposed to be quite an uplifting show. And that bit was true, but I also felt like... It, was, it had a good punchline, it was funny. It was funny, but I changed Maybe it. Maybe for another time. Yeah, I've saved uh, it for another time, I thought. Um, uh, so that's quite awkward. I, I also... Uh, um, I also had quite an awkward experience with a heckler uh, as well. I, I did my early morning show at half ten, and it's a it's a very chilled out show in the morning. And it's half ten in the morning, that's yes. a tough gig. Yeah, it, well, this one was a tough gig because uh, as soon as I got on stage, like this old man heckled me, and he was, he was trying to be really funny, and he was having a bit of a laugh and stuff like that. But at one point, he just shouted, and I wasn't, I couldn't really be arsed with him, you know. But he, uh, uh, this, at one point, he goes. Matt, why don't you get a fucking job? I was like, all right, mate. Oh, calm down. You know what I mean? Like, you're a very hostile old man here. And I was like, okay, mate. Don't worry about it. What What do you do for a living? You know? And he goes, uh, actually, I'm retired. I was like, well, mate. Why don't you get a fucking job then? And, uh, yeah, so uh, I, t- I pwned this old you man. You told the old man. Yeah, I told him. It seems weird to me that you would actively choose to go to a comedy show at 10.30 in the morning. And then heckle. Yeah, like, that's quite a niche time to go and see comedy. For sure, for like sure. you must like comedy enough to go and see it. But then, you know I mean? but then he's like, oh, actually, yeah, I, uh, I, I don't respect you enough to sit quietly. Yeah, that's weird. But he was kind of, he thought it was funny and it's like that. But um, also, I um, um, I got heckled in another way because uh, do you know the silent discos in um in Edinburgh? Well, I know of a silent disco concert where you wear like headphones and you have a. Well, what cracking time? What they do? Uh, this guy calls Guru Doodoo, and uh, Guru Doodoo. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> that's maybe. How have you laughed at that? But not. I gave you two stories and nothing. <laughs> Guru Doodoo. That's too good, man. Fuck you, man. I'm giving you quality. Uh, sorry, I'm giving you stories, and um, okay, oh, Guru Doodoo. But with um. So, uh, but beyond that, they're like, yeah, so they have uh, Guru Dudu just walking to as a silent disco. So he gets uh, large groups of people to walk through Edinburgh, singing their hearts out and stuff like that, and getting people to sing big songs. And it's very much frowned upon by a lot of performers because it's annoying and you kind of get in the way and stuff like that. And it's a lot of people are just singing. It's in the street, is it? Yeah, singing in the street, kind of very much, but with headphones on. But it's quite loud and uh, intrusive, I'd say, and very. And also, I think as a performer, that struggled to get fifteen people uh, and to get like uh, about a hundred people every hour. It was kind of like oh, that's yeah. annoying. Uh, but um, so my mum so came. Is he DJing the silent disco? No, you kind of get like a set list, and mm-hmm. kind of, but they kind of coordinate people and stuff like that, get them to do dance moves and be silly and take pictures of them. Uh, 
But with that though, with uh, so my mum on the final weekend, she stayed over for Saturday and Sunday, and my mum she um instead of seeing my solo show said, oh sorry Matt, I'm gonna go into a silent disco, and I was like. That's the biggest fucking slight you could ever give against me, you know what I mean? I was like, that's that's heartbreaking, you know what I mean? Because instead of saying, oh, Matt, know that thing you poured your heart into for, uh, for last year? Sorry, I'm going to dance to ABBA. <laughs> <laughs> did she see the show at the end? She did see it, yeah. yeah but I was like, still a bit of a piss take, isn't yeah. it? That's, Do they like it, your family? Uh, I think so. Uh, my auntie saw it and told my mum, saying, I think he's quite depressed. <laughs> Yeah. She's not wrong. Yeah. She's yeah. not wrong. I'm happy now, I think. Yeah, in a good place. I think so. Uh, it's like one of those things where I'm still recovering from Edinburgh as well, so I feel like I am. Um, yeah, I just feel that I'm a bit like. I think my mind's okay, and just feel like I'm just kind of shattered. You think my body's like fatigued. But uh, um, did I ever tell you. Okay, I've got another story for you for another time, but I, uh, um, I actually did a roast battle. Uh, did you roast yourself? <laughs> or were you sitting in on a roast battle and they roasted you? No, no. God, I would love so much to be in a roast battle. Should we do a roast battle? Let's do a roast battle right now. That'd be really good. Oh, yeah, Dan. You know we're already like 20 minutes in. Oh, yeah, shit, sorry. We should probably, yeah. Yeah, sorry. I, 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 I think we're going to cut the majority of my airline crap. Nah. That, I enjoyed that it. was not funny. I liked it. I, to be honest, I enjoyed it more than what you gave my stories I feel I feel the stories were worth a little bit more than what you gave if you want you can do all your stories again and I'll take it off like I did last time don't episode. you fucking dare okay. that, that was painful that I, I but you had a good time at, you had a good time at French yeah I had a good time and it was um, yeah worth every penny of the 4,000 wow <laughs> no I take that back please take me to Maldives and take me to why, why don't we go on a journey Dan to the Odyssey of the Roman times into our ears. Yes. A voyage into the, the canals of our brains. Here we go. This is time for a jingle. Jingle. <laughs> you want to try that same way again? No. Smooth, light jazz. I, I think I'm a cool guy now, Dan. I feel like after I've been at the fringe, we've got kind of that nouveau confidence. Because mm. it's not like, oh, debut fringe act. Like, you've done it twice now. This is pretty, you're pretty experienced. <coughs> yeah. So. Yeah, you choked to death on some tea. <coughs> I'm so cool that went down the wrong way. So, um, and we, we're doing Leonid back in the saddle, my friend. And we've only got a couple more bits to go. By which I mean, we'll go about five more episodes to go. Um, ten to six, but... So, Dan, what Five, are... basically six, isn't it? <laughs> maths is all the same, isn't it? So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, maths is maths. Is maths. So, uh, in the last six books, what's happened? Give us... Oh, don't let me do a recap again. Okay. Jesus Christ. Can you do it in ten words? Well, we know from last time I can't, but... Um, basically... He's on a journey, he's seen some stuff, but the last few things, we've, the last few books, the important thing is he's had a funeral for his dad, there was a funeral game, he's just gone to the underworld to visit his dad, mm-hmm. and now he's left the underworld, we weren't quite sure why he went to the underworld, because he didn't really do anything, it seemed like a massive waste of time, Absolutely. but anyway, that happened, and then um, he's back now, and um, going to continue on his way to found a city, or, or in Rome, right? Yeah, so he's going to head to Italy to get a, quote, foreign bride, and... Uh, this is uh, oh that was it yeah his prophecy is that he's going to get a foreign bride and basically he has to get his son to Alba Longa which is because uh, uh, will rule over Alba Longa which is the the seeds for Rome uh, and he's the ancestor of Romulus and Remus and stuff like that so uh, 
And Neas has to do his part to get there. He has to get to Italy to set off this chain of events. Um, but, so we've just finished... Uh, so, the Aeneid is half... The first half is like the Odyssey. It's a fancy elements of... Yeah, like, we've had the monsters and the different islands and the... But now it's time to go to the Iliad section. Ooh, uh, so, ooh. It's, uh, so we've had fancy, now it's time for war. So time to get... But here's book seven and the beginning of the end. So... Aeneas' first stop in Book 7 is Cater's Harbour, named for his childhood nurse. And on, after honouring Cater's memory, the fleet sails past the island, ruled over by Circe, a goddess who turned many suitors into animals. Do you remember Circe? Vaguely, yeah. And, uh, she was the witch that um, turned her men, in, um, Odysseus men into pigs, and then... Uh, oh, of course, yeah, and then uh, her, she banged Odysseus. Yes. Uh, yeah. a sexual after, relationship. Oh, yeah. Because she was like, hey, you want to save your men from... Uh, he was like, yeah, we'll do it tomorrow morning. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, we've been in peace for a while. And this year's is like, yeah, but I've been getting laid. Um, anyway, um, so Neptune, uh, God of the Sea, takes pity on Anissa's men and sends them a wind uh, that carries them past the dangerous island. Aeneas sees the Tiber River and knows that he has arrived at last in the land that he is destined to rule. At this point... Virgil returns to the first-person narrative that he used at the very opening of the epic, calling on Erato, the muse of poetry, to aid him in telling the uh, second half of Aeneas' story. So we've the adventure side. The we we he's got to where he wants to be. Yes, he's that, finally in Italy. Okay, nice. So, uh, so uh, the first, this is the equivalent in the Odyssey, where the first half is him doing the trip, and the second half is him actually in Ithaca. Getting his house back. Kind of, yeah. It's uh, that kind of thing, right? Yes, it is that kind of thing. And uh, But I would say that um, this second half is more like it's a war story. So okay. it's less of a going home, it's more of a um, conquering a new land. It's pillaging some stuff. Mm-hmm. Virgil now introduces King Latinus, who presides over Latinum with his wife, Queen Amata. The pair only have one surviving child, a daughter... Lavinia, who is being pursued by the Rutilian Turnus, a favourite of Queen Amata. So, we have four big characters here. We have King Latinus. King Latinus. Who he's, is kind of the king of uh, ancient Rome, uh, pre-Rome. And he's yeah. the king of a place called Latinum. That makes sense. Yep. Uh, and and he's married to someone called Amata. She's a queen. And her, they, uh, they have a daughter called Lavinia. Uh, who also named after Latin name as well, uh, and uh, the, her uh, a guy chasing after is Rutilian called Turnus, who's quite good at combat, very like a military. That's leader. like a, uh, her suitor who's yes. trying to like yeah wed her. Uh, so how, uh, just like you know now, so uh, Lavinia is also kind of the idea of a foreign bride and stuff like that. But uh, we in this. In oh yeah, this, is she going to be the prophecy? Mm-hmm. Um, so she's quite important to the integral part of the story. But I want you to know how many lines she has, how much she's actually part of the plot, okay? Because I feel a lot of myths that, yeah, there's quite a lot of, uh, like, kind of ingrained misogyny there. So do keep that in mind for future use, okay? Yes, sir. See, I'm, I'm very a classics teacher at the moment. I feel good. Oh, that newfound confidence. Tea time. As a news arises. <laughs> As Aeneas and his men arrive on the Latin shores, King Latinus receives a series of omens of war. 
he also received a prophecy that he should choose a husband for his daughter from among the foreigners who have just arrived, and that he should allow these strangers to intermarry with the Latins, for the offspring of such a union is destined to rule the world. The quote is, Their blood will raise our name above the stars. So, uh, so solid... Yeah, it's quite quite uh, quite an afternoon. You get a lot of omens of war, and also, hey, you should probably marry your daughter to this random guy. Yeah, so he's like, forget this Turner's guy. I'm going to try and get my daughter set up with one of these dudes that's just rocked up. Yeah, and he's like, wow, their blood's going to intertwine with mine and become a death. Oh, oh that's going to be wicked. I don't. A lot of people have confidence back in these days. He did, yeah. In the meantime, Aeneas and his men rest beneath some trees and prepare a sumptuous meal. Which they serve on hard wheaten cakes. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. The sweet, sweet hard wheaten cake. Oh, sorry. I think that's a, a Latin typo. Um, I think it's. So let me try that again. So they rest beneath some trees and prepare a sumptuous meal, which they serve on with some Weetabix. Some Weetabix. Yeah, 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 yeah. Some Weetabix. Some <laughs> hard, hard wheaten cakes is Weetabix. You need a lot of milk for that. I but... fucking love it, now. <laughs> is that the only thing that's been holding you back? Yeah. <laughs> After they finish the meal, they eat the cakes, and Ascanius uh, laughingly says that they were so hungry that they ate their very tables. <laughs> oh, Ascanius. Uh, do you remember that prophecy? Uh, oh, I do remember that prophecy, actually, that you'll be like, you'll start, you'll um, be so starving that you'll yeah, have to you eat. eat your tables, and they... They haven't done that at all, he's just joked about it. There's, I think they ate... Yeah, it's something, uh, there's a, a loophole there, and I can't, it doesn't say it very well here, but yeah, they very much, they technically ate their table, but not really, not genuinely. Yeah. The uh, prophecy was meant to be that they would be so starving hungry that they would feel the need to eat things that weren't food. That yeah. was what the prophecy was yeah. going to be. So, and they just bulldoze right over that. They, they laugh through that. Oh, what a, what a, what a laugh you are. Oh, oh we don't have to fake laugh for you. And it is just struck by the statement, because earlier, uh, oh, just... Uh, I, I never read ahead. Uh, Aeneas is tricked by the statement because earlier in the Aeneid, the Harpers, Kelano, uh, Celano, prophesied that uh, they would only reach the destined land when their hunger had compelled them to eat their tables. <sighs> we did it better. Yeah, we, we summarised better. Aeneas sends Amrith to prayer. Oh my god, I'm only three words in and already fucked <laughs> it up. <laughs> emissaries. Aeneas sends emissaries to King Latinus laden with gifts. King Latinus, realising that Aeneas and his men must be the foreigners destined to intermarry with his people, sends gift to the Trojans in return, and asks Ilonius to tell Aeneas that he wishes to give him Lavinia's hand in marriage. That is... Ooh la la. Ooh la la. Aeneas gets it so easy, right? He gets it so easy. Firstly, like, yeah, your wife dies. Boo hoo hoo. Whatever. Uh, but then he goes. Then you get married to a queen. No, boo hoo hoo. Who loves you? Like on, and also your mum. Your mum's kind of creepy because she gets her other son to shoot arrows into women that you fancy as well. Yeah, that's right? kind of weird. I mean, that would be very helpful for me. But yeah. uh, but with um yeah. So and but then like as soon as he arrives, she's like, well, you should probably marry that guy. Like what? Like you know what I mean? He gets he has a lot of like you know maybe. Maybe he just, he, I know, I was going to go into like a, a sexuality thing where I just can't be bothered. <laughs> Welcome to Miss. Upon hearing of his peaceable agreement, Juno becomes infuriated once again. So we all remember that Juno, the queen of gods, hates Aeneas and the Trojans uh, for many reasons. And she's the kind of uh, antagonist of the show. 
She hasn't appeared in a while. Although she recognises that she cannot sway the Trojans from their destiny, she is determined to postpone their inevitable rise for as long as possible. So be it. Let Lavinia be his wife, as fate has fixed. But I can still hold off that moment and delay these great events can still strike down the nations of both kings. To achieve this end, she enlists the, fu- the fury Electco. Electco. Electo. Ale- yeah, you said it right. <laughs> to help her incite a war between the... You just assumed I'd got it wrong, didn't you? I just... Yeah. Anyway, he helps incite the war between the Trojans and the Latins. So they're going to try and... Pers- but she knows that these guys are going to prosper and she can't stand it. So she's just going to keep making their life a misery until eventually she knows the prophecy will win out. Yeah, so she, she can't change fate, but she can stir up trouble. Yeah. And also, Electo is a, a female Fury. But Ooh. do you remember the Furies? I do remember the Furies. They're a bit like the Harpies. Yeah, but a bit more... That did not she, describe this to the listeners. Yeah, they're, they're supernatural kind of bird figures, but they really are quite really vicious. Grotesque. Uh, Harpies more like kind of a bit more gross. They were in the Oristia. Yes, they were. Yeah. They're a bit more yeah, supernatural, a bit more kind of like... Uh, Hello, we're the Heart Furies. Yeah, it's like Antius. Uh, like creepy... Yeah. Yeah. We have judged you. Uh, like the Witches of Macbeth, I was... The, like, yes, that's a really good comparison. Electka approaches Queen Amata and enchants her so that she will do all that she can to upset the peace between the Trojans and the Latins. Amata begs her husband not to give away their daughter to Trojan exiles. Harsh. Yeah, because they see them as refugees, I guess. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And they don't know that they're warriors. Latinus refuses to be swayed, and Amata literally turns insane, raging throughout the city and lighting fires while singing the wedding song of Turnus and Lavinia. <laughs> she, even goes, she even goes so far as to hide Lavinia in the mountains. Okay. So um, Queen Amata has gone mental with the thought of marrying her daughter off to some refugees. I'm going to say that that's... She's very right-wing. <laughs> she voted Bloody you. foreigners coming over here trying to marry my daughter. I might be having it. But that's, as meeting parents goes, that's a pretty bad, you know. Bad stuff. Uh, so, or, you know, if you ever met the parents, and kind of like, oh, it's gone quite bad. Have you ever met any parents as in, like, met, like, relationship parents, or? Yeah, I, well, I guess so, yeah. How did that go for you? Really nice. So, so I'm fine when it comes to meeting parents. Are you quite good? Cause, I'm pretty good. Because I feel like I'm really, I think I get on better with the parents than the parents. Yeah, I tend to get on better with the mum than I do the girl. <laughs> Oh, are we weird? Yeah. Yeah. I remember one bit. I, I, I will not tangent for too long, but I remember one bit. No, that's not interesting. Carry on. Uh, Elitica goes to Turnus, where she takes on the guise of the elderly Sabi. Sabil? Calabi. Calabi, priestess of Juno's temple. As Calabi, Electo urges Turnus not to permit the Trojans to take control over the city and tells him to raise his men in arms against the foreigners. Turnus mocks Electo, telling her that war is a matter for men. Angered, Electo reveals her true self to Turnus, and he is frightened into assent. I'd be scared too if a temple priestess was like, I think you should, uh, shouldn't fight these guys. And he's like, shut up, wench. I'm a man. I know how to fight. And then she, yeah. she transforms into a fury. She's like, nah, you bastard. I'm telling you. And he's like, oh, God, please. I'm so sorry. I pissed myself ah! And Turnus is this overly macho man. But he's well. actually a little wimp. But for him to get scared that easy, uh, yeah. uh, it's quite, I think, quite interesting. Uh, but um, 
So Alato has kind of corrupted all these key people as well. But also in the in the Roman world, that like you you always must be on your toes in case you say something to the wrong person. Yeah, and then Zeus condemns your bloodline for the next twelve years. Yeah, because yeah, remember we made that joke about how you could like sneeze on a homeless person, and it turns out it's actually Zeus. And then it was like, oh great, my family's cursed. Absolutely, yeah, exactly. Uh, so, um, Alecto completes her plan to destroy the treaty between the Latins and the Trojans by visiting Ascanius, who is hunting along the coast. She sends the sweet scent of a stag, owned by a Latin family, into the noses of Ascanius' dogs, and then guides Ascanius' arrow so it slaughters the beast. <laughs> Put a sound effect there. Nice. Still laughing the guru doo doo, but not that. So, okay, fair enough, fair enough. The local farmers are enraged and gather their weapons against the Trojans. Electo herself blows the trumpet, calling them to war. Is that, it is episode 4 trumpet. It's yeah. episode 4 trumpet. Yeah. The Latins attack the Trojans, and several men die on both sides. So, war happens quite fast and happens over a stat as well. Is this definitely like uh, all scared of the foreigners thing? Um. I think it's less you, Kippy, than we're giving. Because in all fairness, if a random people turn up in your shore, being like, well, we're kind of destined to... That's true, actually, yeah. They are rocking up, being like, hey, this is ours. Yeah. We've been told that we have to go. And then they're like, wait a minute. Hmm. Finally, Electra returns to Juno to report that her work is done. Should I do this as a fury? Yeah, do it in her voice. See the discord I made ripe for you in bitter war. Electra offers to continue wreaking havoc... But Juno dismisses her, and Electra returns to her cave in Coctus. Cocytus. I'm going to say Coctus. Cocytus. Angered by the casualties, the Latins, including Turnus, storm the palace, calling for war. But King Latinus refuses, and, shut himself within the palace, let the reins of rule fall slack. Virgil next, descri- Virgil, Virgil. Virgil <laughs> next describes a traditional Hesperian custom in which the gates of Mars' temples are thrown open to signify the beginning of war. Seeing the King Latinus refuses to take his step, Juno throws the gates open herself and warriors come from all over the kingdom to fight against the Trojans. Two notable arrivals are the evil Mesentius yep. and the brave Camilla, both of whom will be described in more detail in the later story. So, um, just to kind of go over that. So the gates of war open, which is a big thing in Rome. That means stuff's about to go down. We're a yeah. war people. Yeah, and in terms of peace, the gates are closed. Okay. But it's a very significant thing. So, so it's saying that we're at war currently. Yeah. Um, and that's what happens. Uh, and the thing in, in Augustan times, they close for the first time in a very long time. So, um, I don't know whose side to be on, really. Well, what do you mean? As in like... Well, on the one hand, you've got the Trojans. They've been... Their, their home was burned down by the... By the Greeks, yeah. The home was burned down by the Greeks because of the whole Paris, yeah. Menelaus, Trojan War stuff, which we've obviously done a lot in various bits. Um, see Achilles, I would say, for more detail. Um, and then, don't ask me what episode that is. And then, um, we, what episode is Achilles gone? I think it's 33 to 36. Well played. Um, and I so on the one hand, they've been displaced because they their whole city and country was thrown into war. They're all ref- they've just about survived. They've travelled for what must be miles, basically from Turkey and through the Middle East to bloody Rome. Yeah. They've been on this huge journey with monsters and gods. And they've finally got to a place that they think is rightfully theirs. And they're going to hopefully do some good. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, you've got the Latins or the Romans that are just peacefully in their city and then these 
this army's rocked up and has gone, hey, we're here to marry your daughters and um, take back what's rightfully ours. And they're like, well, we've never seen you before. And all they think of them is just refugees. They're like, hey, aren't you these guys that have just had your city burned down? In all fairness, when you say you don't know whose side to be on, you're right there. But firstly, the Trojans haven't started any war. The only thing is that Scanners are... Scanners are and the bad. gods have started this war. Well, that's it. Yeah. It's the gods' fault, really. Well, it's Juno's fault, really. And yeah, because like, it would have been peaceful because they were just going to marry each other off. Yeah. Uh, however, yeah, stuff has kind of gone down. And yeah, so it's not really anyone's fault. But that being said, in war on both sides, they're kind of evil people and good people. And yeah, I mean, because Latinus isn't a bad guy, he just kind of... So, uh, he's been kind of roped into it mm. um, but yeah it's quite quite interesting all the same but it's time to rank this so Dan what do you think of this episode? I like it it was better than Underworld? I don't know actually I think when we rank it we'll realise not as much many things necessarily happened I don't know, I think but like... I think it's setting up the backstory. they've arrived stuff's about to go down mm-hmm Oh, and just to clarify that we'll be seeing more about Mesentius, Turner, and Camilla later on. But they're kind of the three main yeah. on the other side. Uh, so, um, we rank people in three categories. Four categories. Uh, three plus one, actually. Oh, sorry, yeah. Because I, I just said three people, that's why my brain got confused. Um, yeah, so what are those categories then? Life skills, practical things we've learned, morals, the moral things we learned, creativity, how creative was the... I'll do this, I'm really good at maths. Creative, how creative was it? And WTF, uh, what was messed up? So, we rank each category out of 10 to give a total of 40. Or 30, if you mean. Uh, uh, so, we are doing this now. So, what what have we learned, Dan? Life skills. We'll learn how to start war. We'll learn how to start war. Well, how to name something after childhood memories? Yeah, we learn how to transform into a temple temp, uh, to a priestess. Do I say that again? <laughs> we learn how to transform into a priestess. We learn how to start a war, as in like in terms of like manipulating minds and manipulating yeah. uh, key people. We learn how to uh, uh, set fire to stuff and uh, sing songs of weddings. Yeah, we learn how to open the temple gates. We learn how to make a good impression on your uh, in-laws. Uh, we also learnt. We also learned how to arrive and sail. Yep. We also learned hmm. how to bring gifts. Yes, we learned how to kill a stag as well. Yeah. We also learned. Hmm. I don't know. What else? We learned how to eat wheat, wheat biscuits. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. We also learned prophecies and stuff like that. Uh, we also learned. Uh, you don't really. How, how many lines has Lavinia said so far? Not many. Zero. Yeah. Full on zero. She, she just kind of stands there going, Hi, I'm on plot point. And that's it, really. Uh, we learn, um, yeah, we, we learn, I think that's pretty decent. I'm going to say, off the bat, seven. Oh, okay. I'm just trying to work out if it's a seven or a six. I think it's pretty decent, honestly. I suppose there's a lot of different things happening. Yeah. Maybe even... I would even say... Yeah, I think seven. Go on, I'll put it down seven. Next, morals. Moral things we learn. Uh, I think we learn... Learn a few morals here. Take me through. We learn that... All the God stuff aside... Turn up, be pious to a new people, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, welcome people with open arms. Um... 
Uh, we learned that it's okay just to marry your daughter off to someone she doesn't know. Yeah, and to, it can, don't ignore the signs of war necessarily. Don't ignore the signs of war, yeah. Um, don't be rude to someone because it might turn out she's a fury. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. Uh, but then uh, don't, yeah, uh, that you can't go against fate, but you can fuck things yeah, up. Yeah, you can't go against fate, even if you're a god. Fate's fate. But uh, you can make it take longer. Absolutely. Uh, uh, then that war's not good. Yeah, we learned that war's not good. I feel there's not a lot here, but the things we do have are quite significant. Like the wall, the... But it's all kind of wall yeah, themed. Yeah, also, but, yeah. But, but also that mistrusting of strangers and stuff like that. Yeah. So. I'm going to say five. I think it's pretty down the middle. Five it is. I would have gone five. Creativity. How creative is it? Well, what do you think? Well, there's gods in this one, which is nice. Gods there is some monsters. kind of narrative, which is good. We have a fury. We have furies. We have the gods kind of being the puppeteers again. It's nice to have that. Um, we have different characters, and each character seems to have like a, a place in the narrative, which is nice. Oh, we also see the fact that... We've got prophecies. Absolutely. We, we see that... Even there's no good nor bad side. They're just two different sides. Yeah, that's true. And there's, there's good and bad people on both sides. Yeah. So like, Mezentius is probably going to be a bad guy, but also we see that he's not necessarily. Yeah, but other people not necessarily. Yeah, I mean, so I think that's quite cool. Uh, what we also, yeah, God's taking a big influence here. Maybe a six. I would to give it a six. Yeah. And finally, WTF. Killing uh, a deer with a random shot and starting a war. That's pretty... That's yeah, a big... Pretty weird. Turning... Mm, uh, <laughs> seeing someone turn into a fury. Yeah, it's pretty messed up. I think the whole Juno thing's messed up. If you know that fate's going to happen and that there's no way of averting the course, yeah. why are you being so malicious as to still make people die and to still drag it on? Well, I think that's Juno to a T, though, isn't it? Yeah, so that's pretty messed up, there. Yeah, it's you're right. Um, I think that's a good point. Uh, Lavinia doesn't have any say in who she marries. It's yeah, pretty messed up. And also, uh, the king marries his daughter off pretty quickly. Pretty so quickly, yeah. He's like ready to go from like as soon as they hit the the sails. Uh, but also beyond that, I think uh, Amata going literally insane, running through the city. Yeah, that was really messed up. Yeah. Yes, I think that's I think that's probably the best, most messed up thing. Yeah. Uh, and she's a queen as well, so that's quite. A, mm. I'm gonna I'm gonna say over a six or a seven. Not not too crazy, but I think a six. Six, yeah, wow. six is fair. So that's seven plus five plus six plus six equals twenty-four. Carry the six. Shut up. Add six. Take away the. Shut up. It's twenty-four. Get in. I'm really good at maths. Good job, Matt. Oh, so um, we obviously got a few more of the war stories, but war has begun. And this doesn't really have it easy, does he? No, he doesn't, bless him. Well, that, that being said, you know, he's just been to the end of the world, nothing's happened before that. Like, he had a, literally had a game, so. Yeah. Maybe, you know, maybe we should have got that guy who punched the ball to death. He would have Oh, he'd have been one punch man. Yeah, good. Uh, so beyond that, though, uh, thank you for listening. What a, a delight it is to have you back in our lives. And um, please tell people about this uh, this podcast. If you share it with a friend, uh, that would mean the more to us. You can share it on Twitter at Miss Podcast and uh, find us on Facebook at Miss Podcast as well. 
And uh, why don't you uh, get in touch with us at mispodcast at gmail.com and tell us about all your favourite things as well. What else can we do, Dan? They can give us five stars. Yes. On their podcast platform. And why is that a good thing to do? That's a good thing because it just means that we know that you valued listeners enjoy it. And also, I'm not sure if you know this, Dan, but like, if you rank it, uh, if you give it five stars, it means that it'll show up in other people's feeds a lot more and also it'll go as high in the rankings and other people can listen to it. You can also ref- tell a friend about it. Yeah. And why, if you really like us, give us some money on the Patreon and the Kofi accounts below. You can do whatever you want. Uh, and it costs a lot of money to do this, so that'd be great. Uh, but yeah, Dan, thank you for that. Uh, uh, and uh, uh, how, how should we end this episode? Should I sip more tea? Yeah, you sip tea. See how uh, weird, creepily you can sip a tea. How much not... Uh, what I'm going to do is <laughs> I'll sip the tea, then I'll say Matilda. <laughs> okay, go on. Is that creepy? That's creepy, perfect. (laughs) See you later, guys. Bye. Myths. Myths. Sorry, he's not in at the moment. Yeah, no worries. Cool. Yeah, no worries. Have a good day. Yeah, have a good day, mate. Bye. Yeah, bye. That's it. Who was that? Uh, Steve Stapleton. <laughs> well, what's funny is that he picked up a staple and pretended it was a phone. And uh, last week, when he he when I made a bad joke, he laughed at my face. Damn, I'm better than that. I'm not gonna. <laughs> I'm not gonna. I'll be, I'll be better today. Remember, who's that? Steve again, you little bastard! Ah, my ear. Yeah, That sounds funny. Yeah, get in. The first time. Uh, visual gag that the, <laughs> that the listeners won't get. All right, let's start the episode.